it's been way too long and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed by hey guys, Martin welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives. This is Justin over here in LA. We've got the one and only Mike over in London. What's up, my brother? Yo. What's good? Good to be back on the pod. Very good to be back on the pod. I'm like, it is this our first app of 2023? It it is. I mean, happy new year. Wow. But you know Happy New Year. Yeah. And movies are finally coming back. There was like, you know, the first two weeks of January, like nothing came out. You know, it was a little bit of a bummer. Uh, I mean. A lot. It's been busy. It's been busy. Trailers have been dropping all over the place. I'd be remiss not to mention that the Fast 10 trailer, Fast X, just dropped. Have you watched it? I have not. I have not. No. I try not to watch trailers unless they're forced upon me, like in the theater, you know? You know what? That's fair. I do actually love going into movies without a trailer. But I will say, there is something just beautiful about watching this trailer. Yeah. It's also one of the longest trailers I've ever seen. It's like three minutes and 45 seconds. Can I ask you? Because I'm not, I honestly don't know if this is just like one of those internet things or if it's real. Are you of the opinion that trailers are now giving away much more of the film than they used to? Or is that just like recency bias? I think that's recency bias. Personal take. Um, Logic tells me that it's recency bias. But like my heart tells me that like every time I see a trailer, I'm like, why did you show me all that? Like, Just give me a little taste. And then I want to be surprised. Okay. That is very interesting. I don't know. I find it interesting because I have felt that for a solid 15 plus years of my life at this point where I really think it's recency bias. I th- that, I think that's so my too. take. No, no, I think so too. I think that's exactly right. Since mostly everything on the internet is recency bias, like it leads me to believe that that's the only measured logical opinion. Well, I think we just solved it. We did. So the trailers are the same. Trailers are the same. Check out the Fast 10 trailer if you haven't. And look, it's obviously there's so much to talk about today, but but I just need to start right now. Topic today. It's one I'd say near and dear to, to our heart because it's about a decade that we just love. And it just feels like it includes so many formative movies of our youth. So... Our topic today, we're going back to the 90s, top five 90s blockbusters. And the 90s didn't invent the blockbuster, for sure, but perfected the blockbuster? Some would say. I, I, I I think so. I think when I was looking at the potential list, I was like, wow, this decade was just absolutely packed with the blockbuster. It's insane when you truly think about it. 
it feels like it is for sh- well i'm curious your thoughts i believe at the very least mike the 90s is when the summer blockbuster became a full on like forever tradition yes looking at my list i have four summer blockbusters but one christmas blockbuster the underappreciated cousin of the summer blockbuster very underappreciated cousin and and that leads me to honestly talk about the definition of a blockbuster because i have to say i was you know diving into the list the potentials and you know you obviously look at some Mm. lists online this and that i am very torn on the definition of a blockbuster in the sense of we know what a summer blockbuster is. It's, you know, it's, I guess I don't know what it is because it took me a second to come up with it. But I think it's a big budget movie. Yes. And it has to make a lot of money. It has to make a lot of money. They tend to be. They don't have to be. There tends to be action involved in some way, whether it's action, adventure, but not always. Well, let's start there because that's okay. where, like, so I know we found a 90s blockbuster list that I think it was Rotten Tomatoes had put together. Not endorsing mm-hmm. necessarily Rotten Tomatoes as a website, but they had put together a pretty definitive list of like 150. And on that list, there was some films that really got me thinking about this point about the action. Because for me, there is some sense of like the size of the film, like whether that's big effects or big action or whatever, that I think I have to feel to give it a blockbuster. But on that list, they were like, here's some, like Jerry Maguire. So here's where, that's like where I Is it a blockbuster? It made a lot of money. It was a big movie, but it's not, doesn't have the right feeling. Yeah, it's not, that's not a blockbuster. Like, tell me if you agree with this, Mike. I feel like with a blockbuster, the intention going into it by the creators to a degree needs to be we're making a big movie like and not in the sense of oh this movie's gonna like like i have a feeling this movie's gonna crush it just like we're making a big movie we're making a you know i don't want to say movies but yeah yeah let's if we're talking more recent decades it's it's akin in some sense to you know we're making a marvel movie or yeah. we're doing this i'm, we're doing I'm not saying it has to be a series. franchise we're exactly. doing a mission impossible we're doing a top gun yes it doesn't have to be a franchise but it has to be big in scope like that and it even makes me torn and i won't say movies just in case they were to be on your list but there's a couple movies that i was looking at i think were created with the idea of it being like an epic yeah, per se. But I don't know if it was released with the intention of like, oh, we're releasing a blockbuster, but then maybe at the box office it went nuts. And is it then a blockbuster because it went so nuts? Here's my example, because this is another one that was on the list or maybe it was on another list I saw. And this is where I think you're saying, this to me is clearly not a blockbuster. And that is Blair Witch. Okay. It's a film yes. I love. It's a film that was very popular. It's a film that made a lot of money. It's in no way a blockbuster. It's like a very low budget, like almost a cult film that just happened to blow up. For me, no blockbuster. 
fully agree. Fully agree. I, I, I have, there's such a big one that to me is one of my favorite movies. But I'm so torn on the word blockbuster. I'd call yeah. it an epic. Well, here's but... uh, here's the last thing I'll say, and this doesn't apply to every single one on my list. But I do think there's also maybe like a sense. It's a sense of like broad appeal, fun. Mm-hmm. Not ev- not everyone, but like many of them. Many, many, many. I I. I think the one that I have in question, I'm going to keep off the list just for the sake of honestly fun and sneaking some other stuff in there. Yeah. But we will talk about it if it's not on your list later. It kind of sounds a lot like my number three. I got to be honest with you. What year was your number three released? No, no, we can't. We can't. (laughs) And there's a a lot of other things I think I'll say that qualify, but they're all like represented in my examples. So maybe, maybe we should just jump in. Well, right before we do, because, go ahead, go ahead. Because I'm stalling. No. I'm stalling because I'm still as obviously. Hey, it's it's first time in 2023. I've got to be making a decision last yeah. second as we're sitting here. Well, and while while we're stalling, I will just mention I had my list down to like I don't know, like 50. Like this was impossible, and I kind of did the same thing where I just made some decisions based on like, well, we don't get to talk about this movie a lot, so let's try that because. Yeah. It's just so many good ones. Right. There's so many good ones, and that's a fun way to do it. And I will say that we did make one rule between each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good point. And that was that we were not going to include animated films for this. So there's going to be live action 90s blockbusters. Yeah. We did a Disney app. We did a Pixar app. We, we don't need them to dominate Lion this King list. at number one if yeah. we had it right. on here. We don't need to do that again. It's unbelievable, as all those movies are, the Toy Stories, but this is going to be live action. Does that mean we can go? I'll go first, and you can stall. Yes, I love that. I love that. Okay. Now you've got me second-guessing my own list. I dropped something off. Oh no, no, no. I just need to go. I just need to go. I just need to go. Okay. I'm we can going, argue. So that's I'm going to 1996. Wow. I am going to the, let's see, I wrote all these down. I am going to the second highest grossing film of 1996. Oh, my God. 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 A, f- a film that fits a specific subgenre that's well, well within blockbusters, well represented, which is the disaster film. Oh, my God. This is my number five also. Twister. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> It's so underappreciated. Dude, it's the most underappreciated. And it was the second biggest film behind only Independence Day, which is obviously like a sm- I mean that smashed every film that year. I mean it fucking of course. shit money. But Twister. Oh my god. It's so good. It's, it's so, so bad and good. Yandabon, but mainly good. Yandabon, who may come up elsewhere on this list. I can't say for sure, but we'll wow. see. I mean, you've got the big cast, but but not like the A cast. No offense, but like the slightly lesser cast. Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton, Carrie Elwes, all kind of in their peak, but it's not Tom Cruise. You know what I mean? Totally. And I think maybe that's part of why it doesn't get remembered. But the effects are good. It's a film about divorce, which I think is really interesting. I think this might be the first disaster film I've ever seen. 
maybe i believe it was for me right. as well and why aren't there more movies about storm chasing that's really my my question here it's such a great idea it's it's a great idea it honestly i mean it kind of blows my mind when looking back on it because it's such an easy thing to have an exciting film based around. Yes, they just constantly you... drive right into tornadoes. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect for a big budget and blockbuster. The, the effects are good. The effects are good. The effects are good. And like, I mean, honestly, looking back at the cast too, pretty fucking great. I mean, we got Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, we forgot Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's right. Not to mention, if you watch it, there's a handful of other, you know, character act, you know, character actors that you'd recognize yeah. as well. But like, yes, it was definitely memorable in the sense of, holy shit, this is a really scary phenomenon that we don't really see in the in films too much, too often. Yeah. And and they did a great job. They did a great job. It felt like and we don't get these anymore. It was a blockbuster and i think the 90s really did this well in general it was a blockbuster that didn't have to be based on a franchise it was yeah. just a completely yeah. standalone film that was big budget it was great and i agree i think it was probably the first disaster film i i ever saw and i have to say like this year's oscar noms are a little bit interesting but in many years the disaster film simply is not eligible to be nominated for Oscars. You know, it just doesn't get the respect. No. Twister? Nominated for Best Sound and Visual Effects. Wow. And what one visual effects was Independence Day, which is obviously just like another disaster film. I mean... Yes. You know, this was like a golden era. And Twister was... is... It's like... it's. I get why like some of these other movies are bigger. They're like 1A, but Twister is like 1B. It's like right there. It's right there. It's crazy that it isn't talked about more in today's age. I mean, even think Universal Studios for many years had a twister ride. Made like, $500 million. Of course they did. Of course they did. And Honestly, of course, it's a shame they didn't keep it. Well, and of course, Twisters, the sequel, is coming. No, it isn't. It's supposed to come out next year. That's what they say. You're kidding me. That's what they say. I mean, I don't. I haven't seen any trailers for it or anything like that. I don't think it's that far along. But, but Bill Paxton's dead. I know. I know. Rest in peace. Me, rest in peace. What a sad thing. Um, Did you have a little crush on Helen Hunt when you were younger, though? You know what? I'm. I may have been known to have a little crush on her in this yeah, movie. Me too. Me too. Oh, yeah. For I sure. Not. For sure. Wow. <laughs> literally of all the films we both film a twister amazing both. well because i feel like twister is that movie that it's not your favorite movie ever but you have such a fondness for it and you yep. don't want it to be forgotten so i needed we i feel like we both felt like we needed it on the list yeah and if you were there for twister it was a massive film it just because it's forgotten today doesn't mean it wasn't massive then it was huge I mean, you were talking about Twister for years back then. You were. You really were. And we had, I can't remember if it was before or after Twister, but we had like something very close to a tornado in Connecticut and it scared the shit out of me, like this movie, because of that. I mean, yeah, this movie is what made me be like, well, there's no way I would, you know, for a plethora of reasons, no disrespect to anyone in the Midwest, but 
I was like, well, there's no way I will ever live in a state nope. that regularly gets tornadoes. Fuck I that. agree. It's scary. You don't want to do that. Okay. Wow. All right. Twister. Incredible. I cannot believe that we had the same number five. Is that does it, is that good luck luck going into 2023? I'm going to go with that. It is. It is good. Juju. It means it's going to be a good year of blockbusters. It means that Mission Impossible is going to kick ass, which we already knew it would. Fast Ten is going to kick ass. Yeah. It's it's all going to be great. We have a great year of blockbusters coming up. That Mission Impossible trailer, by the way, is just oh. the way that it just builds into the the theme. Just incredible work. Okay, my number four. I'm sticking in the middle of the decade. Okay. Just one year later, I'm going to 1996. 97, you mean? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I mean, I'm going back one year to 95. Sorry. Okay. Uh, this is a film that I don't think we've really talked about too much. We've definitely alluded to it, but like, I, I have to agree. It's like a big part of this is what it felt like to be there as a kid when this movie came out. And it felt like it deserves a nod, even if it's, I, I still think it holds up, but maybe not as much as some of these other films. This is the 10th highest grossing film of 1995. Die Hard with a Vengeance was first that year, by the way. And this is the fantasy adventure film, Jumanji. Oh, what a shout to my honorables. I mean, when we were kids, Jumanji was the fucking shit. Let's just be real. It was one of the biggest things you could think of when we were kids. It was just so exciting. It was literally like magic on the screen. Like it was just what there's this board game, then the kids turning into a monkey, then Robin Williams is around. We love Robin Williams. Obviously, he'd done kids movies before this. Um, You know, there's fucking the the hunter guy, like a tiger, a crocodile. I mean, it just gets (laughs) crazier and crazier all the time. David Allen Greer's there randomly. It's just, it's just such a good time, especially when you were a kid. I even had the Jumanji board game. Which wasn't very good, but like I think part of me wanted to be like, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe just maybe one of these times when I roll the dice, something will happen. And maybe it did for some people. Maybe we'll just never know. And this is the rare Christmas blockbuster. This came out in December, by the way. This is the Christmas blockbuster. Okay. Yes. So like, yeah, just when I think Jumanji, I think we're all kids in the 90s. Like board games were huge. We all fucking love board games. The thought of like one of those coming to life and just the fantasy world and adventure that they made out of this. What what was more fun at that age, especially for like you and me, Mike? We were like right around like five, six years old, yes. seven years old. Yes. It was just perfect. And we, you know, sort of fell in love with Kirsten Dunst. We there was a lot of falling in love right yeah, around. There really this, was. There really was. Also, can we just quickly talk about Joe Johnston? I feel like as a somewhat like of a journeyman type director, he doesn't get that much credit, but he does this movie. He does Jurassic Park 3, a totally underrated film for me in the franchise. Agreed. Agreed. He does October Sky, basically our favorite movie on the entire podcast. Oh my God. Oh my God. I I forgot he did that. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, another absolutely magical film if you were a child of the time. Yep. And he directed the live action scenes in The Page Master. No, he didn't. That's right, Town. I just hit you with Page Master. Oh, what a deep cut. I mean, speak about a movie that just brings you yes, yes, wonder exactly. and adventure. Yes. Wow, what a fucking boss. And Finn would be remiss. Our our friend Dylan Finnerty, friend of the pod, 
who you guys know very well if you've been listening to many apps. He'd be so sad if we didn't mention The Rocketeer, which he also directed. Oh, wow. I've, I've, I kind of forgot all about that, actually. So I'm glad you pointed it out. I also just wanted to quickly mention that the, one of the writers, I think kind of the main writer, Jonathan Hensley of Jumanji, he also wrote The Punisher, a fucking great movie. Oh. Arm- Armageddon, something very much eligible for this list. Yeah. And Die Hard with a Vengeance, the previously mentioned highest grossing film of the year. Wow. This is, you know, it's kind of a banger. Some of it doesn't hold up that great, but but honestly, I think it's great. And I think we've already talked about this, but I think the, the first remake was also great. So I'm kind of just a fan of the franchise. I think it's a great pick. I'm very happy that it's on the list. I cannot wait to hear your pick. Hit me. Well, my friend, you sometimes just know when it is the right time to say something. Because my number four is 1998's Armageddon. Perfect. There you go. You've rolled me right in. So, man, sometimes I feel like this movie, as the as the years go on, for whatever odd reason, I think, it, it gets a little bit of hate. Like, it's, you know, some stupid blockbuster. And you know what? It is a stupid blockbuster, and that's why we love it. It's, man... I'll never forget when this came out. Some of Michael Bay's finest work, in my in my personal opinion. J.J. Abrams is one of the writers of the screenplay. Second highest grossing film of the year, only behind Titanic. And, you know, it just... The cast is insane. Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, Billy Bob Thornton, Liv Tyler... Steve Buscemi, Owen Wilson, Michael Clark Duncan. Then we've got, you know, Peter Stormare, William Fitchner, Will Patton. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous, Mike, when you think about it. it. And I like that they're all like roughnecks that get sent into space somehow. It's pretty fantastic. Yes, it's obviously when you really think about the plot. I'm, I don't even want to call it silly because honestly... If you don't think of the science and the this and that of it all, it kind of makes logically sense, like what they're going for. But it's just such a fun movie. The cast is great. The stakes are fucking large. It's another disaster movie. It's funny at times. It really just, to me, hits, you know, there's romance obviously involved. It's very emotional. I hey, mean, you got that spoiler alert. Song. You've got the that, you got the Aerosmith song. I don't want to miss a thing. I mean, come on, that was that a was massive most, song, kids. Massive. If you weren't there, it was massive, and it was because of the film. It it was massive because of the film, and I belted it out last weekend at a party. There was a karaoke machine, and some kid put "I don't want to miss a thing" on, and the whole party was screaming it. You it's would. like as you do, and I just think if you want exactly what the world needs from a Michael Bay blockbuster to me. And don't get me wrong. Bad Boys 2 is one of the greatest movies ever. But if I'm generalizing Michael Bay, Armageddon to me is the best. Like here is what Michael Bay does and what he does well. And it crushes. And like it just spoiler alert ahead. 
if somehow you haven't seen this movie, I watched this movie in the last you know couple of years. I, I want to say there maybe was one other pot up that we mentioned it, but it still makes me cry. Still makes me cry. Affleck and Willis at the end. Mm. It's just, mm. oh my god! I just I can't I deny it. it. I can't deny it. It made a shit ton of money. It was everywhere in the culture. Big disaster movie, so I'm a fan. Also, I realize I didn't say the plot at all. If you've never seen the film, there they discover that there's an asteroid the size of Texas that's going to have an impact with Earth in less than a month. Essentially, you know, ruin the fucking planet. And so NASA recruits this team of like drillers led by Bruce Willis that need to essentially learn how to get up to space in the span of what are we going to say, Mike, like less than a month, obviously yeah, it's, it's really fast Yeah, and get up there like and, the and do this. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so it's, it's wild, but it, uh, speaking of how these movies never really get nommed at the Oscars, this was nominated for, uh, for four Oscars. Didn't win any of them, but it was nominated for Best Sound, Best Effects, Sound Effects, Best Visual Effects, and Best Best Song. There you go. There you go. Love for Armageddon. That's number four. Um, okay, my number three is the one that I feel like, you know, gun to my head. Obviously, I think it's a blockbuster, and that's why it's on this list. But it doesn't fit in the sense that, like, there's absolutely no fun to it. It has star power attached to it it was a massive massive film but it's just not it's not like armageddon there's nothing fun about it but it's easily the best film on my list no doubt about that and it was the it has to be yeah it was definitely the highest grossing film of that year besides armageddon because this is 1998's saving private ryan wow okay Okay. Not the movie that I I had in question. Okay. But So we got Steven Spielberg. Yes. Steven Schwartzberg. Steven Schwartzberg basically invented and owns the blockbuster, especially in the nineties. Agreed. And I'm like I'm more hit or miss on Spielberg than most people on earth, but it, it's simply undeniable. Oh, we forgot to even say that Amblin produced Twister. So like he's just gonna be all over the list. There's no way yep. to deny his power. And obviously Tom Hanks. Enough said. We get we get it. Tom Hanks. Massive, massive movie star. Really, when you look at it, the rest of the cast, which is awesome, like in retrospect, is not like necessarily the biggest names at the time. By the way, I, I'm sorry to interject. I realize I totally fucked up and Armageddon was number one of ninety eight. I think I was just looking at the the spillover from Titanic from ninety seven to oh. ninety eight. Oh right. I didn't even hear anyway. 90 for sure armageddon was number one and obviously titanic was number one because it was number one of all years forever basically forever forever and ever um so yeah tom hanks and you kind of don't know that matt matt damon's gonna be in it he would be like the second biggest star but then jeremy davies is an important character ed burns is an important Mm -hmm. character you know adam goldberg giovanni rabisi i mean these are names right i mean but like the other big the big names like Ted Danson is in it for half a second. You know what I mean? 
I mean, I honestly consider it similar to Armageddon in ensemble cast wise, yes. where you've yeah. got a lot of big names that are like maybe not A-list actors, but they're fucking no, and, they're well-known actors. Yeah, and bigger now, I think, partially because of this movie, right? Yes. Like Brian Cranston's in the film, but he's not Brian Cranston at the time, you know. But anyway, this is uh yeah, it's all in like following sort of the invasion of like Normandy type of thing, World War II. Um, and as if you somehow haven't seen this movie, it's all about like trying to rescue this this private uh, who's played by Matt Damon. Did we talk about how this picture is has to be in our top five Oscar Best Picture snubs? Did we even talk about that in the episode? I don't think it was on my list, but like... I don't know if we talked about it. I kind of just, in my mind, like honestly, I swear to God, when I looked at it today, I was like, right, so this one Best Picture in 98... I mean, 99 it would have been. And I was like, wait, Shakespeare in Love? Like, did somebody modify Wikipedia? Because my brain is telling me this obviously won. It doesn't make any fucking sense. It doesn't make any fucking sense. I mean, this film is fucking amazing. The The combat scenes that bookend the film are, it simply isn't possible to make scenes that are better than that. Like, they just don't exist. And they never will exist. The it does everything that like you want from a war film, and then it has this whole other story um, about rescuing Matt Damon, and it creates all kinds of different dimensions. It's such like a much more layered war film than like I actually watched this again today, and then I watched um, the new All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, I need to watch that, which I thought was good, but like it just reminded me how good this film was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so like you're so in it and it's such a like masterly put together film that like it's not just the images that are showing you like why war is bad it's putting you right in the middle of it um in a way that's like you it's one of those things where like you don't necessarily feel the filmmaker but like then you realize all the like things that he's led you to which is the thing that Spielberg is good at i mean what we can say is that he's a master filmmaker, right? He has all the techniques in his repertoire to do something like this. Um, and he does. And it's, I'm not even like a massive war movie guy, but like this movie just, just as a film is fucking incredible. I fully agree. I'm, I would, I'm right on the money with you of, I'm not always the biggest war movie guy, but it's just an unreal movie, unreal. And Spielberg proves once again, why he's a master cast is insane as you've already said if we didn't talk about this in the snubs episode it's actually crazy it it must have come up but it definitely wasn't one of my picks it wasn't one of my picks either and i don't it must have come up it must have come up maybe rory picked it but he might have but with that said like growing up mike can you think every single war movie that ever came out you just compared to saving private ryan no every single like Marvel movie you compare to Saving Private Ryan like everything that is no but like seriously like everything that it's like it's doing like it brought like anything that's like a modern like war action movie is like done in this film mm-hmm. and, and it's just so many more things I mean just like all the little attention to detail you know what I mean like especially in that opening like storming of the beach like just how many different surfaces are being like ricocheted off of to create this like atmosphere and like just it's ins- it's insane. I have no idea how they put that together. And I would just like to say what's really funny about going through this list town is I appreciate that it was 30 years ago, you know, in this case, 25 years ago. But 
the budget for this movie is seventy million dollars. To think of the Crazy. scale of the stuff that was put together to make this thing work, you're like, oh my god, this is like a four hundred million dollar movie. It's like no, just seventy million, like a movie that would basically be mid budget today. Jesus, absolutely unreal, totally that unreal. Is- bonkers so very much a blockbuster but not at all fun but but yes but very much a blockbuster i'm fully on that page with you okay is it time for me to you're number three do my thing i'm gonna do a pod first mike i'm 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 doing something that we've never done i didn't tell you we were gonna do this before the episode i'm just gonna see if you agree that we should do it okay (laughs) i have two films and my number three is going to be the one that you more consider to be a blockbuster. So you're going to give me the, me the choice. I'm giving you the choice. Okay, perfect. Are, are we allowing this? Sure, absolutely. Okay. And it's not anything to do with your taste in the films, purely which one you believe is more of a blockbuster. The other one is not on the list at all. Okay. The Matrix or Titanic? Titanic is more of a blockbuster. That's the winner? In terms purely of which one is more of a blockbuster, that's the criterion, right? That is the criterion. Then it's, it's, I, it's Titanic. Okay. Well, then Titanic's number three. So I will tell you, Mike, before we went into the episode, the film that I was speaking about was Titanic that I did not bring up by name. Oh, no, I think that's a clear blockbuster. Okay, that's what I like to hear. And in that sense, then I'm very happy that it's on the list because it needs to be talked about. I've talked about The Matrix to no end. Everyone knows that listens to the pod on a regular basis. It's one of my favorite films of all time. With that said, I do think there's an argument to be made that while The Matrix is a blockbuster, it wasn't necessarily made with the intention of being a blockbuster. Would you agree with that, Mike? It was made with a big it, it does it does fulfill the terms of a blockbuster and it what it became changed movies, quite frankly, but Titanic maybe outwardly came in with more of a like blockbuster hype. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean the Matrix is trying to be like a sort of psychological sci fi action film. Yes, that and, turned into a different beast. And it became a blockbuster because of it being an action film. Yes. So, so I, I kind of agree with that. Okay. I still think well, it would have clearly qualified for the list, but I do think the intent was more to make something that you were going to go home and think about the implications for the world, not like bullet time, which is all anyone cared about. Agreed. Well, everyone now knows that I love The Matrix yet again, and I could put it on every list that it qualifies for. So we're talking about Titanic today. 1997. I actually crazily enough think, Mike, that for how much I love Titanic, I do not think I have had many opportunities to talk about it. Would you agree? I don't think we've talked about it much, but very quickly, is Titanic in the theaters where you are now? It's about to be back in theaters. Actually, today, I think. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's out here, too, yeah. Yeah, the re-release for the um, 25th anniversary. Yes, Which is crazy. Ages us quite a bit. Um, I might go. I went when they re-released it for the... Was it the 15th? 
I don't remember. Whatever the last time they re-released it in IMAX, I was there. So thing to know about me and Titanic, original run, I saw it four times in theaters. Saw it again at the re-release. So I have seen Titanic five times in theaters, which holds the record for the most I have ever seen a movie in theaters. I mean, written and directed by James Cameron. The the real star-making turn for my favorite actor of all time, Leonardo DiCaprio. We've got Kate Winslet. Could we just say that for Leo, it was the biggest jump I've ever seen in our lifetime. By an actor. From being like kind of well-known to being the biggest star on earth. A hundred percent. In one day. Like it was unbelievable. It, it, it's truly insane and it's never stopped since. No. And no one's ever made a jump like that in one movie in our lifetime. It hasn't happened. No. And dare I say it's deserved because um, he's the king of the world. But Leo, Kate Winslet, Billy Zane, Kathy Bates, there's a, there's a great Bill Paxton. Speaking of our man, Bill, he might be the hero of the pod between this and Twister. Oh, he's coming up again. I promise. Fuck yes. Here we go. Um, rest in peace to the legend. But yeah, so this also similar, Mike, to your Jumanji was a later in the year blockbuster. The, the you know, Christmas blockbuster went on to become the highest grossing film in the world for many, many years. And un- only unseated by Cameron's next film, Avatar. But which, dare I say, was not as good of a film as Titanic. So, yeah, if you don't know what Titanic is, epic romance and disaster film about the Titanic. It's about Leo and Kate Winslet's character. Leo, you know, is this, you know, lower class guy and. Kate Winslet is this higher class gal. She's Rose. He's Jack. And they're on the Titanic. They meet and we go through a film. And then, of course, the film, the Titanic sinks. And we go through that. Yeah, man. I don't know. I forget your thoughts on Titanic. I I don't know if you you talked about it on the pod. I don't either. But I will say in the Cohen household. So my brother, Dylan Cohen, who you guys have heard on the podcast before, this is up there for the greatest film of all time for yeah. for the Cohen household. We love it. We absolutely love it. And, what's, and what's, what's because we're old day? enough, we definitely had the double VHS. The, oh, the, yeah. on, I mean, there's nothing quite like popping in that second VHS in a film. No. You really and for those out. For those of you who aren't old enough, the VHS of this film, because this movie, this movie's three hours and 14 minutes long. Yes, I do know that by heart. The VHS was split into two, two VHS tapes. So eventually it would just end and you had to, you had to put in the new tape. Can we um, also just very, very quickly say, we forgot to mention, I just saw this on Wikipedia today. Apparently Twister is the very first film that ever made it onto DVD. No shit. Th- this. Yeah. It has to go down in the history books. Yeah. So we've talked about v- VHS and DVD. Okay, Titanic. Here's the thing about Titanic. Tell us. It's obviously a film of two halves. Uh, and I'm not going to say something about the length necessarily, even though each one of those halves is enough for a film to cover one whole VHS. 
And, you know, the first half is a romance and the second half is a disaster film. So I think you pretty much know which half I think is great. <laughs> and it's the first half. The disaster part absolutely sucks. That's the problem with this film. The first half, the romance is awesome and I love it. The second half, the disaster part, I don't like at all. How dare you? That's that's my opinion. That's it. It just repeats the same like storyline every ten minutes for a full ninety minutes, and it's just oh, like, sir, I, it's not good at all. I need, it's like it needs to be a full hour less of disaster. Come like, on, it's, edge of your seat. No, not at all. Not they're at all. down on the fucking bottom decks. The lights are, you know, the lights are off, and it's like the emergency shit flashing. I'll never forget it, dude. I know, but between oh. like we're almost out. Now we're not. We're almost out. We're almost not. And, and Billy Zane being like, I'm going to get Rose. I'm not. I'm going to get Rose. I'm not. It just keeps going on and on and on and on. And I don't think it's well put together at all, honestly. It's just I, so repetitive. And and I just wish the film was just the romance part. And then we just sort of knew what happened at the end. I respect that's coming from me. Disagree. Twister's on my list. Like that's okay. That's me. I respectfully disagree. But I love it. I think it's so well done and thought out through and through. I think it's personally, I don't think Cameron will ever top it for me. And I think he's one of the greatest directors of all time. But again, I find it to be a masterpiece. I think it was very popular for a reason. And Mike, I have to ask just because, again, it was the age for us. But yeah, the portrait. Yeah. Yeah, 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 obviously. Yeah. For first. First naked lady that you saw on screen? Oh, definitely in the not. Theater? Definitely not. I didn't for see me, Titanic. It was. I didn't see Titanic in the theater. Okay, okay, okay. No. So for me, it was, and that was that was an interesting experience all in of itself. Let me also just say, I, ha- I have to be a little bit careful. Boy, nobody really listens to our pod anyway. But like, I. I feel that like this comment could come back to haunt you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not going to say anything bad. One thing that I really do like about this film, and I watched it like maybe six months ago. I still like the film overall. There's no doubt about that. But I like that. Like, it's inconceivable to think that that whole story or moment or whatever you want to call it would be in a film that came out today. It's totally inconceivable. It would never happen. We films have become totally sexless in like a weird way. And that scene is like it's it's lovely, but it's also like super erotic, but in a way that makes sense for the film. And I think it's great, but like it's just not out there anymore. You know what? I've I've never thought of that, but I fully agree with you. Dude, even even like and it like Black Widow, like female superheroes, it's like they're they're just basically there as like men they're not allowed to be like sexy in any way mm-hmm. whatsoever and it's bizarre like I, we've we've come so far into like trying not to like objectify women that we're just not allowed to have any sex on screen at all and i find how safe it makes films like weird so when you see it in titanic this massive massive blockbuster the highest gross movie of all time for over a decade or a decade however long it was you're like holy shit this is outrageous like this is this is like whoa and it still slaps. It still, <laughs> it still fucking slaps, baby. Um, no, it's 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 true, dude. It's true, and it, it's. I agree with 
because we know each other well, I know exactly. And, and I think you actually said it well. I agree with what you're getting at. And, and I know that you're not talking about just women. You're saying like women and men, there should there should be able to be sex appeal and shit can be sexy and there can be scenes like this on either end of the spectrum. But it's probably more affected female scenes like this because yeah. of there being this um, concern that somebody is going to be offended and then, you know, cancel someone. That's all. That's all I'm saying. And it's a it's a great scene. And and it's part of it's squarely in the first half of the film, which is the great part. <laughs> it's not great without be, it being the full movie, Mike. It's okay. not great without no, the full I, movie. I do you think it's good? Hey, on balance, um, it all works out to still be a good movie for sure. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take dude, not even kidding, by the way. So Mike and I are obviously recording this on our computers right now. I just accidentally clicked the tab next to Zencaster. And which is my Gmail inbox and the very first email one week only Titanic 25th anniversary IMAX 3D shows. Beautiful. Beautiful. Wow. I am um, definitely going to try to go see it actually. Cause yeah, it's a shame that I've never seen it. And I do think that it might help with the disaster portion of the film specifically to see yes, it in the theater. It's, it will, it will. Um, I'm pretty confident that at the very least, even if you say eh, only ever so slightly better, it'll be at least ever yeah, so slightly. Better. I agree. I agree. So anyways, that's my, that's my long ramble on Titanic, which is well-deserved for that long three hour and 14 minute movie. It's my number three. Okay. All right. Highest grossing film of the nineties, by the way. For sure. Yeah. Uh, my number two I am going back to 95. Once again, Die Hard with a Vengeance was the highest grossing film. This was the third highest grossing film. Um, and we talked about Armageddon. So we talked about disaster movies, especially in the 90s, squarely in the realm of blockbusters. But but really just in general, anything kind of surrounding space is oh, starting wow. to lead you into blockbuster territory. Just by the nature of it being big and like wondrous and people always being interested in these stories, especially because they can involve Americana like this one does. And as we know, I'm like, you know, kind of blase about space movies. Sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't. And this one, I pretty much love it. This is 1995's Apollo 13. What a 90s blockbuster. I mean, who didn't have this VHS tape? And there's only one film that I consider more to be a 90s blockbuster. I mean, this is up there. And of course, it all starts with Bill Paxton. No, it doesn't. But it starts with Tom Hanks <laughs> and Kevin Bacon and Bill Paxton and Gary Sinise on the ground and Ed Harris and Brett Cullen. Big shout out to Brett Cullen. Always try to shout him out. Ron Howard, you know, gigantic director of, of epic proportions, you know, in some ways rivaling Spielberg, not necessarily in uh, talent, but maybe in fame around this time. Uh, and this is the true story of the Apollo 13 mission that I'm sure basically all of us knew nothing about until watching this film. We also forgot to point out that like, there's, I think you might've actually mentioned it inadvertently with Titanic, but so many of these films have like quotes that have just been totally absorbed into society because the movies were so big. Yep. Like Houston, we have a problem. King of the world. Uh, yep. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So this has that as well. Um, 
but yeah, even like just this whole idea, like these guys, you know, they're obviously the mission goes wrong and they have to like work with what they have on the ship. Um, and then like a massive fleet of people um, in Houston at the space center or whatever the fuck it's called um, to try to get them home safe. And it's, this is, I mean, I think all these movies are over two hours, right? This is two twenty, but it's just totally riveting. It's like, you just can't help but root for these people um, every step of the way and like every little thing that goes wrong, but then also like every little win that they get to survive another day or month or whatever. You're just so tied up in them making it home. And even as someone that's not like patriotic, like me, obviously I live in another country, but like you kind of get teared up at the end, you know, you're like, yes, we did it. It's like a win one for the Gipper type of moment. You know, we fucking brought these guys home and that's badass. Yep. It's so funny because I find this movie to be another movie like to a degree twister that to some degree gets forgotten about, not forgotten, but like, no, do you I know what I mean though. by that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's strangely like out of the zeitgeist in a weird way. Yes. And it's like odd because during the nineties, this was the movie that everyone loved. Like your parents loved this movie. You loved this movie. Like, it for being a PG film, it was kind of an adult film, if that makes sense. It's like a heavy film, you know. You're like, oh, yes. these guys are going to die. Like, it's a yes. it's a rescue survival type movie, you know. And just looking back on it, I mean, it it really does have like such a big cast, and just is so well done. Like one of one of Ron Howard's best pieces of work, I would say. Would you agree with that, Mike? For sure. And I mean, the trio at the top is is truly insane. Of Tom Hanks, Bill Paxton, Kevin Bacon, three of the most popular guys in the '90s, and then the rest of the cast, as you already mentioned, is also great. It's a fantastic film. I think I also want to note what you said about runtimes of all the blockbusters at this at this era, this decade, I love that they're all like two hours plus. I'm a big longer movie guy. I like movies to be fleshed out. I don't I don't need a movie to be an hour and a half unless it's supposed to be an hour and a half. So you definitely are more of the longer movie acceptor than I am. Mm-hmm. But I want to also talk about it in connection with just I think we're gonna do a general wrap up of things we've been watching lately um after we talk about our list. And I want to talk about runtime there too as well. Cause like this list is perfect because all these films we think are great at this length, this being an appropriate length. And so many films that have come out in the last like three months or so are really fucking long. Like, so I watched RRR on Netflix. That's three mm-hmm. hours. Tar is two and a half hours. Triangle of Sadness is two and a half hours. Fableman's is two and a half hours. All Quiet on the Western Front is two and a half hours. Like, basically everything it's just been coming out at that length as i think some of them really work and some avatar obviously is like 75 hours but like (laughs) some of them really work some of them don't necessarily work um but it'll be interesting to compare like those modern films to these ones because obviously we think all of these are great at this length yes i do it's so funny you brought that up because i have been i forget who i said it to recently someone i was just like i love it every movie's at least two hours again it's dude it's i haven't seen avatar it's been hard for me to find all the hours you know what i mean like you just can only fit so many films in 
I mean, when you've got a three plus hour movie, I think that's fair. Yeah, you're like, I think it's fair that it's hard. I can't get a double feature in because that would be like 10 hours. It's too hard to do. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and and obviously Saving Private Ryan's like three hours. I mean, there's maybe five minutes I would cut from that movie. I mean, it's it's great at that length, you know? It's great. These movies all worked well with this, with this runtime because there was a lot to to introduce into the world there were characters to develop there i'm not saying there aren't these days but these bigger budget bigger scope blockbusters there's a lot of there's a lot of story and there's a lot of development to be done i think the difference is i definitely am feeling like like just to sort of solidify our opinions you are definitely down when a film has 20 minutes extra that could easily be cut Mm-hmm. And I am like, boy, I really wish that 20 minutes wasn't there. You know? You Yes. Yes. Um, where, are we talking about Apollo 13? Where are we? <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to talk were. about all these other films after fact, though. The No, we're, we were talking about Apollo 13. Um, two hours 20. Fantastic. fantastic Flies by. So tense. See to your pants. Bill Paxton. What else can you say? That's all you can say. All right. You're number two. Let's hear it. Okay. My number two. We're going one year up on you, Mike. We're going to 1996. Mm-hmm. And okay. to me, one of the most quintessential blockbusters of all time. And that is the two hour and 25 minute long Independence Day. Insanely watchable two hours and 25 minutes. Insane insane Roland Emmerich directing this one we've got Will Smith we've got Jeff Goldblum what a fucking duo we've got one of the greatest presidents to ever grace the screen Bill Pullman not to be confused with Bill Paxton no which was confusing back then it does both both absolute legends of the 90s absolutely Great cast filling this out. I won't say everyone, but but we've got Mary McDonald in there. Who, if if you're a Battlestar Galactica fan like me, you know you know who she is. Um, and Randy then of Quaid. course Judd Hirsch and Randy. And pff, how could we forget? Man, maybe crazy in real life, but goddamn, is he a legend in this? And film. crazy in this movie. <laughs> he was he wasn't really acting. He was just yeah, real life. He was just being himself. But truly, I mean, Mike, when you think and we don't need to name other movies at the moment, just in case it's either of our number ones, any of these other examples. But truly. When I think of the 90s and I think blockbusters. I I mean, that image of the spaceship just going over the fucking world, the image of the White House exploding when they unleash those lasers, man, that is just fuck it for me like again we were mike and i were born in 89 so it came out at a very you know specific time we were six going or i was about to be seven based on my birthday you already were seven and to me it 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 was how i learned what a blockbuster was pretty much so at least in the theater if Steven Spielberg is the king of the blockbuster as a director, 
Tom, I mean, not Tom Cruise. Uh, I mean, Tom Cruise like has his a longer longevity as being sort of like, let's say the overall king. But for mm-hmm. for 15 years, it really went to Will Smith. Yep. At the at the very least, if we're if we don't want to give him fifteen years, at the very least, there was a solid, solid minimum five plus five to ten year stretch. Yeah, I'd say at him. least ten. Yeah, yeah. And it started with this movie, and a very unlikely pairing. Jeff so Goldblum unlikely, and Will Smith, it just works. It works so much. Like if you're talking to me like your favorite movie duos, like sort of like, you know, buddy duos. This is up there for me. It's just so unlikely. Their differences play so well with each other. And it's honestly insane in hindsight that it took so long for them to make a sequel. And of course, unfortunately, when these sequels come out so much later, they never are quite as good. But like it this movie was so insane and did so much money that it's it's crazy there was not a sequel for so long. No, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it made like three hundred million more than any other movie that year. Like it was, yeah. And, and you know, I, I this is as blockbustery as it gets. It's not on my list because I knew it would be on yours. But you've got, like you just said, you've got your buddy movie, you've got your disaster movie, you've got your alien invasion movie, you've got your. Uh, like aircraft movie, like you're pulling a Top Gun here. Yep. You've got your war movie. You've got your big speech and shit like that, right? You've got your massive special effects 90s movie. I mean, it's all of these things in one. It, it's all wrapped up in one. And it just, everything about it works. And by the way, it was it made $817.4 million. That's crazy. Crazy. And again, if you don't know what it's about, it's a very simple plot. Aliens are coming to Earth. And they're gonna destroy Earth, so we gotta fucking take down the aliens. And I think we forgot to shout out Vivica A. Fox and her like survivalist how, plot line is also great. Honestly, how dare I forget her? That's not right of me. It's not right of me. No, this movie is just—I can watch it right now. I mean, it's so unbelievably watchable. And just because we have to, it's like the speech that Bill Pullman gives as President Whitmore like before kind of the final battle. Yeah. It's one of the greatest speeches. It was I mean, it episode. was on my top five movie speech. Today's last. our independence. Absolutely incredible. Oh, absolutely incredible. If you ever want to pump yourself up, just watch the little clip of him giving that speech. I've done it before. Um, So this is kind of random, but like I'm in the middle of watching The Patriot right now, which I don't think I've seen since it, since it came out. Do you remember that Roland Emmerich directed The Patriot? That just like no, he knocked didn't. my socks off. I was like, wait, what? What? In between I doing nonstop disaster that. films, he, yeah. I very much enjoyed The Patriot back in the day. How's it holding up now? Uh, I'm only like a, f- a little bit in. I feel like Mel is not giving me everything in terms of his performance, but once he starts tomahawking people, you're good, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Also, Robert. <laughs> Whatever his Rodat, whatever his name is, the guy that wrote Saving Private Ryan wrote The Patriot. Fun fact. Very fun fact. All right. We've gotten we go. to that point of the list. Here we go. Number one. This to me is obviously it's at the top of my list. I mean, this is just the blockbusteriest of blockbusters. Like I think most people would say that 
Jaws is the first blockbuster. I think that's sort of a generally accepted opinion. Would you agree with that, Town? I would agree with that. That's that is what we were taught in film class. Michael largely disagrees. Uh, not 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 seriously, but like I don't feel it the same way. I love Jaws, and I like some eighties blockbusters too. But I don't feel it the same way. Like it didn't reach its full peak of what a blockbuster could be for me until nineteen ninety three. I mean. There, there's only one, Mike, and I believe we obviously have the same number one because it's hold on to your butts, hold on to your butts, because <laughs> we are talking about Jurassic Park. There's no other option. There really isn't another option. I didn't even realize that you were sort of in the same opinion, but it's obvious now. There's I mean, no other option. There's no other option. It is the greatest blockbuster, arguably of all time. I mean, is there anything more blockbustery than an island full of dinosaurs? No, I'll wait, people. I will wait. It's not out there. It's not out there. I mean, it's just when you realize, like 1993, Steven Spielberg decides this is the movie he's going to make, and he executes it perfectly. Can Can I ask when the last time you watched it was? In the last, definitely in the last three to four years, but not this year. Not the how, past year. How fucking good are the effects? It's insane. They're better than anything that comes out today. It's bizarre. Per, it, this movie is one of the movies that I watch often enough that I always go, this is why I'm so pissed that they everything has to be CGI now because everything in this movie looks unbelievable still today. And they didn't have, you know, they obviously for the dinosaurs and whatnot used these animatronic, you know, things. It just, it looks unbelievable. But even the parts that are CGI look great. It's, it's, it's just outrageous. It's just outrageous. Well, it's the, it's the combo that makes yeah. it, I think, look yep. so good and yeah. feel real. And like, I mean, speaking of heroes of the pod... I guess now Jeff Goldblum's been mentioned twice. Man's a legend in this. He really is. Sam Neill, Laura Dern. I mean, that trio, insane. Obviously, Samuel, hold on to your butts. Wayne Knight, gotta shout him out. Gotta shout him out. Such a memorable role. And Richard Richard Attenborough, of course, is Hammond, um, who's, you know, created the park. And by the way, we'd be we'd be remiss not to mention. So obviously, Jurassic Park is based off of the Michael Crichton. Is it Crichton how you say his last name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Michael Crichton novel, and Michael Crichton was actually one of the writers on Twister. Twister, yeah. Just getting around. So we we started the our our only two same picks were our number five and our number ones, both as those numbers, both Michael Crichton related. And Steven Spielberg related. And just also stepping away from the film itself for just one second, we have to come back, but it's hard to even explain how big this movie is, like just outside of what the film is. Like mm-hmm. the, the, I mean, the ride at Universal Studios or whatever, I think it's Universal. Yep. Is epic and was like a massive deal. The toys, like they were just everywhere. Everything was merchandised. I had like a car. I had like a dinosaur with like a removable, I don't know, like body chunk, like as an action figure. Like it was just everywhere. 
I had plenty of action figures. I had like a cup I would drink out of that, yes, was, a, yes, that yes. was a raptor. Yep. yep. I mean, it just it made it was the highest grossing film until like Titanic, right? Yes. I mean, it made a gazillion dollars. It the the sound is unbelievable. Like the T Rex sound is. Oh. Is it has I mean, it, it been topped? I don't think so. I don't think so. It truly has. What you said, Mike, I agree with. Okay, sure, Jaws had the bones for what a blockbuster was. Jurassic Park is the movie that said, okay, this this is the this is what we want to look at when we're thinking about making a blockbuster. This is our example because this is a perfect fucking blockbuster. And this does everything we want a blockbuster to do. And it's, you know, I wouldn't call it a horror film, but it's pretty fucking scary. Like, it's really There's intense. elements. Compared to the last Jurassic Park that came out where absolutely nobody got eaten by dinosaurs. I mean, this movie, people are getting fucked up. Yeah. I mean, think about some of the scenes, like, when the kids are hiding towards yes. the end of the film. Yes, yes. It's I mean, like, the raptor. The raptor. Yeah. I mean, that's basically a slasher movie. A hundred percent. I mean, I guess let's let's talk, Mike, a little bit about the elements in this that are kind of obvious, but that make it a block, like that make it such a perfect blockbuster. It's like you have, you've taken just a plot that's going to be, you know, it feels a step away from reality somehow, you know, maybe dinosaurs could come back and it would be on this Island and it'd be a park that you had to pay a bunch of money to go to. And, there feels like there's some crazy world where that's something us humans would do. And then of course it would backfire and it would not be a good idea. And it's being done of course, for the wrong reasons, but it's just, it's an adventure movie, an action movie, a slasher movie, a, you know, a romance film, a family film. It's everything wrapped up into one. In, in a way that can only be seen effectively on the big screen. This is what movies can do. Like this is what they're capable of in terms of broad appeal. This this is what can be done. Yep. And And, sorry, I was just gonna say. Speaking of being remiss to not mention Dylan Finnerty, the world's number one John Williams fan. John Willie, I mean, he basically is like uh, like Mozart. Hold my beer. This is the greatest music of all time. Like honestly, this music find me find me better score in a film ever. Truly. You just gave me chills. Like, I it's, mean, it's one of the greatest pieces of music ever. 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 Just facts. I mean, if there was any. Ugh, God, John. I love John Willie. John Willie. John Willie is incredible. Uh, he also scored Tiffy Brian Ryan, of course, doing as part of his Spielberg collab. Yep. Um, and, I mean, and so many other. So many other amazing films. John Williams, the GOAT. I mean, I mean so the, we've just we've touched on. The excitement of it all being great. The sound is great. The visuals are great. I mean, the characters are great. And the characters are pretty thin. Like, there's not even that much character development. You don't even care. You don't even notice. You're just like, I love these characters. Forget it. You love them. And they truly couldn't have gotten... I mean, now, of course, these there's some these actors are cemented as the people who played these roles. But it's like, you really can't imagine anyone else playing these roles. And... It's like Sam Neill. He's had he's had a solid career, but it's like you can't think of anyone else playing well, that he, role. 
he surely was not the first choice. Like no. they, I think they offered it to Harrison Ford. They offered it to a lot of other people that you would expect. And I don't think it would have been as special because there was something special back then about, oh, like, not that he was unknown, but that it's like, it's not someone that you just see in every other movie no. at the, at and, the front and of it. Same with Laura Dern. And I mean, Jeff Goldblum totally. basically made his career off this movie, right? So yep. I just, the whole thing is just incredible. And just, I think we've we've talked about how great Jurassic Park is. I just want to defend for the people out there. Not on this list. The Lost World is fucking awesome. It's not as good as Jurassic Park, but I'm so tired of this Lost World hate. I'm tired of it. Everyone's like, well, oh, well, only the first one's good and the next five can fuck off. Like, no. I the like first three, three were and good. Two. Stop. The first three are all good. None of them are as good as Jurassic Park, obviously, but like they're still good. 100%. No questions asked. Man, those next three, though. Yikes. That's not for me. But anyway, this one, absolutely fantastic. I mean, even for me, they weren't. Again, I'll say I could handle, I enjoyed World enough. The second one was absolute trash of the second trilogy the third one for me i wouldn't call it trash personally i would call it yeah it was nice to see the original three cast members back together but there was nothing to the movie otherwise it was just like it was the least offensive completely forgettable you know two hours like it was Okay, yeah, it was it was heartwarming to see them back on screen, but I'm never going to remember what just happened because it wasn't that exciting. Uh, that is definitely true. Not so. At all. Yeah, it was definitely. Yeah, I don't understand some of the slander on the second and third films, especially the third one, because the second one I feel like does get a lot of love still, even if. I know what you mean, Mike. In recent years, randomly, some people, oh, only the first one's good. But always the third one's gotten hate of, oh, not as good as the first two. It's like, well, yeah, it's not as good as the first two, but it's a fucking good movie. Like, completely agree. And uh, that little kid from that movie is in The Patriot. So full circle. God the damn Patriot. right he is. I'll tell you what else I don't understand is how Steven Spielberg does that thing where he just releases two movies in a year, like six times in his career. So like this came out the same year as Schindler's List. How is that possible? How is that how is that possible? The Lost World comes out the same year as Amistad. I'm sorry, that doesn't make any sense. Catch me if you can, Minority Report. No, no, no. Munich War of the Same Year. Like what what are you doing, guy? Spread your movies out. War Horse and Tim. Bro. He's talking about that. But like still, they came out the exact same year. Fucking Steven Schwardberg. You crazy, yeah. crazy man. I didn't come in here, and I wouldn't even consider myself like a massive, massive fan, but you just can't do the genre without paying homage to the guy that clearly is the master. They're just facts. These are facts. We don't Whew. make them up. Okay. We just report them. All right. Are we ready to recap? Because we have – there's so many more I'm sure we want to shout out as honorable. Yes, of course. So give me your five to one. All right. Five to one. Twister. Jumanji, Saving Private Ryan, Apollo 13, Jurassic Park. And my five to one is Twister, Armageddon, 
Titanic, Independence Day, Jurassic Park. <sighs> Honorable. All right, let's hit, since we already talked about them, mm-hmm. let's talk more about Will Smith. Big Willie style. I mean, we can't not mention Men in Black. Men in Black. Massive. Gotta be, gotta be there. Massive. Enemy um, of the State. Pretty big great. film, and I really like it. I really like it as well, and we get some we get some early Jack Black in there. Yes, facts. That's true. Um, I'm trying to think what else he did in the 90s. Obviously, again, after Independence Day, Men in Black was the other gargantuan. Well, and we've sadly pointed out that a film that I really liked that was pretty big and, and I really liked when we were younger and we've talked about it on the pod is actually dog shit. It's terrible. And wild, that's Wild Wild West. Wild West. It's absolutely awful. It's a, it is. It Even really from is. a nostalgia standpoint, it's awful. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And it's so funny because it was such a like thing at the time. It really was. I mean, there was the whole album even, right? Or there was yeah. a song. There was a song at least. There was a song. Yeah. Um, um, unlikely or no, maybe some forgotten that he was still a blockbuster star at this time in the 90s. Sean Connery. He was. Hunt I for mean, Red October. The Rock. I mean, two massive films. Both content- yep. contended for my list for sure. Both contenders. I'd say two movies that were big contenders for my list. Um, one, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Has to be. Another Cameron classic. I mean, one of the best second, one of the best sequels, I think, ever. Honestly, the only reason it didn't hit mine was not because it's not an amazing movie. It's honestly probably a better film than some of the ones on my list, obviously. Just when I was a kid, those other ones especially had such a bigger impact yep. on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but Judgment Day is unreal. And then the other one that you, Mike, may have gotten way more into before I did, but it's now one of my favorite action films, Speed. 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 Which is yeah, just a bomb. fucking... I mean, come on. We got the main man, Keanu. We got Sandra Bullock. Unbelievable. What are we, I think it was 94. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, 94 is probably right. Yeah. Um, um, also, the thing, the next thing that was like, I debated about whether it really counts. Mm-hmm. And I think it does, but in a slightly different way. And I really, really like the film is A Few Good Men. Interesting. Um, See, there was courtroom dramas like this were kind of massive movies in the 90s like a time to kill was huge a civil action was big you know what i mean and a few good men has that like we've talked about it even recently i think on the pod it has that great handing over of the sort of stardom from like the back end of of uh jack nicholson's superstardom to the rise of tom cruise's superstar and it's my favorite cruise performance to date um, wow and, and again great it's, it's a huge movie and it has that you know you can't handle the truth thing in the sense of like permeating Iconic. the culture right um but i don't know is a courtroom drama blockbuster still not sure <sighs> it's tough it's tough it's on that i understand the argument let's put it this way i would let it slide but but there's no dinosaurs i mean <laughs> there's no dinosaurs it's not jurassic park I'd say a movie that uh, I'm curious if you think is a blockbuster, Mike. Because the intention, obviously, with it wasn't that it was going to be some insanely, insanely successful film. 
but I kind of look at it as a blockbuster, if only for the fact that I think it was one of the most talked about films for a couple of years, The Sixth Sense. Struggle with that one as well. Um, I struggle. For me, n- no. Because the thing with The Sixth Sense is it's like a word of mouth film. True. And kind of similar to Blair to Witch like, in that case. Yeah, it's like it has to be yeah. big the day it comes out, it feels like. Yeah, I agree. You know what's... Well, one that I was very surprised that wasn't on more lists because I looked at it as a kid as such a blockbuster. And I still, in my eyes, think to a degree it absolutely is. Goldeneye. Oh, I think definitely is. Definitely is. Yeah, it wouldn't it, be up it, there for quality-wise on my list, but it absolutely was a massive film. So, you know, I love Goldeneye. Almost no, honestly, like, was I think in it's my... good, but it's like, no, I don't love it. It's not your fave, which for me, you know, it's my favorite Bond. So, and I think it single-handedly revitalized that entire franchise, regardless of quality. And it, yeah, that would be close, if not on my top five, personally. We've obviously done a big, lot of talking about Bond, but that's that's close for me. Here's another question, because I saw this on the list as well, and I kind of came on the side that, Okay, so Bad Boys 2 is a blockbuster. It's an action comedy, and it's a blockbuster. Can a straight comedy be a blockbuster? Just a straight-up comedy. I was so torn on this myself. Yeah. American Pie is a massive film. Is that a blockbuster, though? I debated it myself. I feel like technically no, because it wasn't made with the intention that it was going to be some massive movie. Yep. That's where I'm at too. I think comedies and romantic comedies. That was just like, no, it doesn't feel right. No, it doesn't feel right. It it doesn't. It's like, even if I'm thinking of like any movies like that, that have quite a big ensemble cast, it, it doesn't No, It doesn't feel like it. No, um, I think the only thing that I like debated, but I just because there was so many other good films to talk about, I just didn't want to even bother. Is Silence of the Lambs? Oh yeah, great movie. I and, that that one's tough for me too. I know like, it's tough, but then it won all the awards, so I was like, yeah, I guess so. True, but I I agree. It was close enough that I was like, there's so many other things that I want to talk about, such as The Mummy. Yes. Obviously, on my honorables. Did you see The Whale yet? No, I need to. Okay, I didn't either. I'm going like three days from now. That's definitely my next movie to see. So we'll we'll have to chat about that one. Um, love that Brendan Fraser's getting another shot. Um, man, The Mummy was so huge back then. I I truly think people forget sometimes. They totally the forget. memes have been glorious lately. Yeah, well, that's that's what's that's the, the biggest hope for The Mummy is that Brendan Fraser can come back. Yes. And The Mummy is most definitely a blockbuster and is most definitely fantastic. Um, Absolutely. I'd say another one that's kind of forgotten that does bring comedy, but it's action. Rush Hour. Yeah, well, as you know, I absolutely love Rush Hour. Uh, Yes, you do. And it's I think it fits. I mean, it became the only thing about it is like it's a bigger film than I think it ever tried to be. Mm hmm. But I think you are right in that. I'm almost maybe allowing it because 
I think it was made as like a fun buddy action com like comedy, but it, it obviously became a bit of a franchise. Absolutely. So yeah. It's I mean, one that we can just say Mission Impossible, the OG. Yep. This um, this one popped up on the list, and for me, like I just was surprised at how much money it made that it would even like make it to the list. Mm-hmm. Small Soldiers. Remember that movie? That was kind of dude. Big, of course, I remember Small Soldiers. I'm actually mad at myself that I didn't think about it. Um, kind of legit. And we got it a still little, holds up. And we've got a little Kirsten Dunst in there too. Yeah, we do. But then right after that, she was on to like much more serious roles. Yep. Not serious, yeah. but bigger, bigger. <laughs> Dude, Small Soldiers, such a great shout out. Um, movie that I was like curious if you would think is a blockbuster. Maybe it's just an action movie, but Air Force One. Oh, yeah, I think that counts. There's definitely a we should we should just throw the Harrison Ford contingent out. Yeah. Clear and present danger, of course, the fugitive. I think all those count. Yeah. Yeah. So those are great. I think. Do we consider Fifth Element? A blockbuster? I don't. I'm gonna look up very quickly how much money it made, but I do think so. I mean, it was a, it was a, it's a sci-fi feels is another like, way to go where you're like getting it. It feels like a big movie. The cast is like pretty big. big. Uh, but with some of it, I don't know. I feel like it was kind of big because like a lot of people were laughing at it, Which like not like, in a good way. And, yeah, and I think now people have fully reevaluated that it's actually like pretty schwart, but like but at the time, then, maybe. Yeah, at the time, people were like, this is not good. But I mean, it has Bruce Willie, Gary Oldman. Made 263.9 million. That's a pretty big movie. That's yeah. pretty fucking big. And it was $90 million budget. That's actually pretty. Okay. Yeah, that's that was big. That's Look blockbuster for I'm, I'm like here's just like the no I'm finding like in real time on Wikipedia. The fifth element received mainly positive reviews, although some critics were highly negative. That's exactly right. Like it won like bad movie awards and also like major awards. Like it, it yep. was a bizarre film. Also, I realized someone we haven't touched upon yet. Big nineties blockbuster man, Nick Cage. Between The Rock, which we obviously already mentioned with Connery. Yeah, Con Air, Face Off. Oh, yeah. Um, he really can do it all. He really can. I think that's pretty much it on my end. I'm curious if you have any others. I, I will... Yeah, I think that's it for like proper blockbusters that I think were introduced. I don't know, like, like there's stuff like... Like is Forrest Gump a blockbuster? I don't know. Is is Goodwill Hunting a blockbuster? Like no. See, I don't think so. These no, are massive movies. Like, is it? No. They're massive, but they're massive because they were really good and then became massive, right? Somehow, like they somehow you just know, and they're they're not. They're not. They're just not. Yeah, um, completely agree. You have any others? No, no. I think we've. I'm sure we've forgotten a couple, yeah, but I think yeah, we've sure. we've covered most of them. I think that's it. So you want to do a little catch up on what we've been watching? Yeah, let's do a little catch up. So yeah, for anyone that's been listening to the recent episodes, since they're a bit fewer and further between, we've been talking a little bit towards the end about just what we've seen recently in theaters and, and out of theaters. So, All right. So let's go to the most recent thing I watched in the theater. Knock at the cabin. Oh, I saw it last week. 
what did we think? I'm a fan. I, think, I liked it. I think it was very well made. And just going back to, you know, this is the follow-up to the discussion we had earlier. This film is the absolute perfect length. Like so many more movies would have had like 10 more minutes set up, 10 more minutes like Coda at the end, and like 10 more minutes in the middle of just like digging around. This is like an all gas, no breaks movie. And I think it works. I will give you for this type of movie, this was the perfect runtime. I agree. That's it. It's just really well crafted. Yep. Um, I'll say. So I'll say like, while it wasn't one of my favorite movies or anything for Shyamalan, which is like you're going into a very specific type of experience with him. This was probably the most I've enjoyed one of his films in many, many years. So, and this is the thing with Shyamalan is again, like he's directed 20 films probably at this point, or roughly, you know? Yep. He's a very good filmmaker. This movie had exactly zero twists at the end. Like it was just, this is just a straight up movie and I know how to make a film and this is a good film. Yeah. And Dave Bautista is a treasure. I mean, there's just no denying uh. it. It's insane. Dr. Action and I actually, for those of you who've listened to other episodes with, with our dear friend Ian Fisher, we were talking about Batista the other day. It, it shouldn't work. Like he should not be able to get all these different roles, but it works. He's got the no, range. The thing is, like, I love especially being in the UK, like a lot of people are like, oh, why are Brits so good at playing American? Because they train as actors for like decades. Yep. They have to work at their craft to make it in films. And in America, they're like, get me the biggest dude that does the people's elbow. And that guy is going to be a star. And I love both systems. I love it. Like, I can't deny it. He makes it work. Have you seen, have you and or Dr. Action seen Final Score? No. He's at like a West Ham football match and there's terrorists and he has to like kill them all. Oh, Sounds honestly very fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. Um, all right. Did you see Puss in Boots? No, and I really want to because I love the first one. Oh, I've never seen. I've, this is the only one I've seen. How was it? I liked it. Without, without I, I, I liked spoilers. it. No, no, I liked it. I, I think, you know, I think some of the reviews are, I don't really know what people were watching. Like there's so many like, oh, greatest film of the year. Like I'm not so sure about that, but I liked it. Yeah, for sure enjoyable okay hey that's good that's good coming from you i'll take that um we i know because we need to talk about it have both seen plane with jerry butts the one and only fantastic concept love that it's for jerry butts i've already said this to you i was a little bit like it didn't it didn't change how much I thought about the film overall, but from just pure Jerry Butts love, I was a little bit disappointed just that Jerry Butts doesn't really kill that many people. <laughs> He's just sort of around. That is kind of true, but I want to counter and say, I thought this was a very, very solid Jerry Butts film. I felt that although... He didn't necessarily kill a ton of people. He did. I liked the action in this movie a lot. Like, I loved that the first, you know, the hand-to-hand combat that he has with the guy in that random Mm -hmm. building, Mm -hmm. it felt very real. 
and it you know a lot of hand-to-hand combat sometimes i want it to be silly but it's like i felt how exhausting it was like i liked the realism to a degree of that i thought that some of the other shit like towards the end with that i know you and me were going back and forth about it a little bit mike the fucking insane like military grade gun that they're using just like literally blowing people away was next like i was like i don't know if i've ever seen a gun that insane in a film and and while the concept itself like i mean there wasn't that much to it you know what i mean no there's nothing to it no but it's just like jerry butts doing this how do you not enjoy yourself it's just very enjoyable I really don't have anything bad to say in the sense of like, it's exactly what you want from a Jerry yeah, Butts exactly. movie. Exactly. It's yes. If there was one thing you could say, it's you wish Jerry Butts was killing more people himself, but that wasn't exactly the character he was playing. And that's no, okay. No. That's okay. No, exactly. That wasn't the character. And you know, we got that from Mike Coulter and he killed a lot of people. That was solid. Goddamn right. Goddamn um, right. What else have you been watching? trying to think what else i've seen recently i honestly have been slacking a bit so i hadn't seen let me see if i've seen anything else in theaters before i go outside of the theater um taking a look did you see fablements i did see fablements um i quite liked it i liked it more than i thought it would it's it's not really i don't know i didn't really think it was going to be my speed but yeah i thought it was good and i thought it was only like the last 10 minutes i just like didn't need but i didn't mind but i didn't need it so there you go two and a half hours thought it was really well paced no problem so almost and for anyone that hasn't seen it i i don't know i'd call this outside of you you big film fans i don't know if i'd call this like a crazy spoiler but there's just like kind of a cameo towards the end that i'm gonna mention right now so if you don't want to know just fast forward like a minute but david lynch just I mean, Mike, that was that was made for me. I I lost. I cackled in the theater. I lost my mind. Oh my god! I, I oh. should have known. Fucking yeah! I thought that was great. I saw. Now you're making me go back. I'm realizing I did. Okay, there's a movie I actually really want to talk about that I had a different take than a lot of these critics who I think are getting it wrong. Babylon. I loved Babylon. So Babylon is it's like. A hundred minutes too long. Like I didn't, I didn't, I just, I thought the first half was really good. And and uh also, by the way, contrary to what I said before, this movie fucks. Uh, This like, this movie is, you know, it's not afraid to just go all out there. And that's kind of the point of it. And I appreciate that. As I mentioned before, I appreciate that there's still filmmakers doing that. Once it's fucking, I'm just not into it. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, for me, I personally feel like it's a misunderstood film that, and we can come back to this in 10 years. I feel like in 10 years is going to be seen in a higher esteem. It's just like, I understand some of the critiques. It is long. It's very long. It's over three hours long, but it takes you, it transports you to a time, the intersection of silent film with, you know, talking films and it kind of hits this time period that that not many films have really tried to portray before and in such its own way. And, and 
you know, Damien Chazelle really, I think this is his movie of all his movies where he most goes for it. I know that's a term that at least Mike and I use sometimes with each other, maybe a lot, a lot more with like a sci-fi film, but I really respect one of, it's a big swing. I, and I respect when a filmmaker does that. And I tend to really like those movies because I think they're risky. And I think he took a big swing with this. He made a lot of statements about the film industry, about life itself. And I think that certain people in the industry didn't like what he was saying. And I personally think that's to blame for some of the negative reviews. I think, again, there are people like yourself, Mike, that some of it's going to go into it was just maybe overstuffed over long. To me, it was I was on a wild ride and I was just living in the world and I could have kept going even. I I loved it. I I really, really feel like of all the movies that came out in the past year, this one was one of the ones that had the most to say. And I thought about it for a while after I saw it. And I also think in a bit of an on the nose way, you know, he tried to have his 2001 moment towards the end of the film, which, uh, which I I thought was interesting that he tried to go for again. He went for it. He fully fucking went for it. And I respect the shit out of that think It's a movie well worth seeing if you've been dissuaded by the, uh, by the mediocre reviews. Did you see a man called Otto? No, no. How is it? Honestly, I really liked it. And this I is like, it. it's like really saccharine. Like it's not the type of thing that I would like at all. Like it's, but it's, it got me. I really like okay. it. I'm not gonna lie. Gonna, gonna see that. You have not seen Avatar The Way of Water. Is that correct? No. And I doubt I'm going to see it in theaters. Oh, it's such a, I hate to say I'm like, it's such a mistake if you don't. Like, I will Every say. Every movie's three hours. There's only so many times I can go. Hey, you saw Babylon. I did. That was a mistake. I should have seen Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll say like, as someone who, yes, I do love James Cameron, but I thought Avatar, the original, was was mediocre. I liked it. I was wowed by it. Obviously, seeing it in theaters was an experience, but I thought that it was not his best movie, to say the very least. Um, This second one I went into very, very middle of the road expectations. I thought, well, it's Cameron. He took this long to make it. I'm going to see it. Trailer's okay. I went with, to name drop him again, Dr. Action, and we both looked at each other after, and minds were just blown. I mean, it was it was one of my favorite movie theater experiences that I've ever had. And, I, and I'm not going to go on and on about the movie and act like the movie was one of the best movies I've ever seen. But in terms of a movie theater experience, it, it was an all timer. I mean, I don't like the 3D technology outside of when it's used like very specifically and very well. This is the best 3D movie ever made. And there's no debate on my end. Like he's using it like real 3D, like I'm on a ride and it's fucking unbelievable. The world building that Cameron has done, you know, it didn't impress me as much in the first one, even though it was impressive. I mean, the amount of time and effort that James Cameron has put into building this world 
you really think in our lifetime, in our lifetime, at least you and me, Mike, we haven't really seen like not really something to this scope, maybe one or two things, but like this was created in our lifetime and he is building this entire world, this civilization, these these creatures, none of which are a part of the the world or pop culture or fiction as we know it. And it's like he expands it so much in this one that it, it man, I just I was blown away. I think it was a fucking and I thought the story was good in this one. I thought the characters were developed well. I think a lot of the shortcomings of the first one, it's still not the most intricate plot ever. It's still a relatively simple plot, but I think they I think they fixed a lot of the critiques from the first one in regards to the story and the development of it. I will say for the most part, I'm just intrigued about like, like it's not like Steven Spielberg slinging two movies a year. And this is like a once every two decades type situation. Like, <laughs> like I, I'm really interested in the idea that someone as successful at filmmaking as James Cameron is like, like, it took what a decade for the first one, right? Titanic is ninety. It it was twelve years uh, after 12 Titanic, years. and this is another fourteen years or thirteen years, right? Yeah, like it's kind of a crazy concept. Insane. I'll say this: my brother had the, a text to me that I think expressed my feelings as well as best as they could be done. Dylan texted me and he said, "Wow, I felt the magic of being a kid again." for the last three hours I could go live in this. If James Cameron wants to just make avatar movies every two to three years for the rest of our lifetime or his lifetime, I would be perfectly happy with that. And I will return to this world every few years because it's just an unbelievable world he's created. Well, with that ringing endorsement, I'm definitely still not going to go see it in theaters. I'm just just not going to do it. I'll say the Uh, last movie in theaters that I saw that we haven't had a chance to talk about is Violent Night with David. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And John Leguizamo. Honestly, I was a little let down. Yeah, that was all right. Yeah, I thought it was all right. I thought it was going to be more fun than it was. And can I just say, especially since everything is on streaming, which I want to talk about in a minute. I really thought that more movies would start coming out that are like 60 minutes. Like there's no need to make a movie so long, especially in the world of streaming. Like it could be any amount, you know, it has nothing to do with the rules of the theater or what the theater wants. Like it could just be the perfect amount for a film. I recognize that this one was in theaters, but I'm just saying this movie, there's a 60 minute movie in there. That's good. It just takes forever to fucking get into the Santa killing people. It takes forever. Yes. Yes, like a full it, hour. Like we don't it need feels that. like it could have been like a long TV episode. Exactly. And why not? Why can't why you make not? a movie like that? You know, you could make one 75 hours like Avatar. Why can't you make one an hour like they used to be in the 30s? You know what I mean? It's, I just, yeah, I was disappointed. I totally um, agree. Can we talk about some films that I'm I'm a little bit higher on other people, uh, higher than other people on? Please. The Whitney Houston movie. Oh, I Whatever. haven't seen whatever it's called. I I mean, I just really like Whitney Houston, but like, yeah, I thought it was good. I liked it. I had a good time with it. And um, what's the Sam Mendes movie? Empire of Light. I need to see that. You told me you really liked that. I, I, I liked it. I, I thought people were being, I still think people are being a bit too harsh on it. I liked it. Okay. 
Um, um, can we do a quick Netflix breakdown? Because I finally canceled my Netflix. I'm just so tired of oh their bullshit. Okay. So now I have to go and watch all the things that are out there. So things that have come out, like, you know, let's say the last year or six months or whatever that we haven't talked about on the pod. All Quiet in the Western Front. Definitely thought yep. that was good. It's not it's not Saving Private Ryan, but it's good. RRR. Best movie of oh, 2022. Dude. I heard that. I, I I might watch it tonight, honestly. Three hours? It was just brought back well up. Well-deserved three hours. Uh, best right. movie of the year. Fuck. Okay, I need to go watch ASAP. Um, Hustle. I never watched Hustle. I finally got around to that. that Another Adam one I really want to watch. Movie. It's, as much as it's like every sports movie ever, it's doing that well. Like, I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Scratches that itch well. Uh, Wendell and Wild. What's that? It's got, uh, it's like it's animated, but it's like Key and Peel are like two of the voices. Angela Bassett, Fing Rames is in it. Oh shit, I didn't even know um, that. And it's put together, who's the director? Henry Selick, who's done like a ton of animated films. Anyway, yeah, that one came out. That's good. Maybe that's it. That was my like Well, up. I have to give a massive shout out to the, you know, one of my favorite people on this earth, my brother. You season four, mm. part one, just came out. Um, my brother Dylan Cohen wrote the fifth episode, which is the final episode of this first half. So if you're into you, go check it out. And if well, I mean, if you're into you, you've probably already binged all five episodes. But if you haven't watched you, think about checking it out. In all seriousness, that convinced me because so I've canceled my Netflix and it's going to run out in between the releases oh. like so i was like should i even start with season four well now obviously i have to i have to get to episode that's and his just episode live with not seeing part two maybe ever maybe ever and so check that out i'd say just a couple other shouts of things i don't think we had the chance to talk about um i've really been enjoying the last of us so far the the new hbo oh, show yeah, i haven't watched that yet it's good. Um, that one's been fun. I just finally started watching, and I'm about halfway through. Welcome to Wrexham, the the doc right. series on Hulu, yeah. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds and uh, and Rob uh, McElhenney. That's been great. Have you watched that, Mike? Uh, just bits and pieces. No, I haven't seen the whole thing. Okay. Um, fuck. There was something else recently, TV wise. That I watched that I love. Oh my God. Okay. I am absolutely loving shrinking on Apple on Apple TV Plus. You mm, heard about this? Okay. I've just heard about it like briefly, like only recently. I don't know much about it. Just started. Fourth episode comes out well, today, the day we're recording this episode, but when it's out, you know, the the fourth will be out, maybe the fifth even. It's Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford. Yeah, outrageous. And outrageous. The writers and creators are Brett Goldstein, aka Roy Kent from Ted Lasso, one of the other creators and writers of Ted Lasso, and Jason Siegel. So great team behind this. It's a dramedy, 30 minutes. Such a great role for Harrison Ford because you feel like you've only ever seen him in action movies for the last 20 years. So it's really nice to get him in just like a regular human being role. Yeah. And the general plot line is that Siegel's the main character. 
he's he's a therapist and he works at a practice that you know is run by Harrison Ford and then there's another co-worker they have who's great as well um Jessica Williams uh and she's she's great but uh the plot is essentially so there's the three of them Siegel's going through a real rough time in his life because his wife has died in the past year and essentially it's part feel-good show like a Ted Lasso but more so leans into the the drama and the the proper dramedy of it all where it's it's really he's going through some real shit and he not only is trying to help out these people that he is a therapist for but you know he really needs to go through therapy in a sense himself and kind of bring himself to this next chapter in his life so it's it's fucking fantastic i i could not more highly recommend it okay shrinking i just can't believe that you would just mention another person behind ted lasso and not say bill lawrence an absolute legend who also is one of the voices behind clone high the greatest tv show of all time i know unacceptable unacceptable i really just wanted the freak out from you which i now (laughs) got um yeah excited i gotta watch that for sure yeah you gotta check it out um, and there's other good shit out too, but I'd say that's like my biggest thing that I really want to highlight. I feel like Apple TV plus is to me becoming the only other streamer besides HBO that I, I think is taking an HBO like approach to their shows where they're not making a million shows, but they're trying to make them all quality. Mm. And so I'm a big supporter of Apple TV plus. Okay, there you go. Free endorsement for Apple yeah, TV Plus. Free endorsement. I've heard Blackbird's fantastic too, which I really want to watch. Um, yeah, I think that's it on my end. You got anything else? Uh, no, not really. I think that's it. We've come up on two hours already. I mean, yeah, it's a big boy, and you know we what? haven't people talked to deserve a while, it. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, lots of say. People deserve it. Look, we miss you guys. We're gonna be making as many episodes as we can, which is not gonna be as many as we always have. But it is such a joy when we get to do them. I mean, some call us the Apple TV Plus of podcasts. We don't have that many episodes, but when we do, <laughs> the quality. <laughs> that was a great way to really pull it all together right there. Honestly, I ruined it because there's no follow-up. That's my There's favorite. no follow-up. That's it. That's it. It's been, it's been phenomenal. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you soon for whatever the next episode may be. Peace out, my friends. Top fives and deep dives with Tata PTM. 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 My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese, followed by Quentin. If you don't think of the science and the this and that of it all, it kind of makes logically sense.